to mini episode 32 of Real Life Ghost Stories. How you do? How you doing today? I'm alright, how are you doing? Yeah, absolutely just wonderful, fabulous. Ready for some more spooky stories. Okay. Story number one comes from Victoria. Back in the early 90s, when I was a young university student, I moved out of home for the first time with my best friend. It was a decrepit old unit on the top floor of a run-down apartment block, but it was all we could afford at the time. New farm has since become gentrified and heaving with hipsters, but back then it was a pretty dodgy area of Brisbane. Soon after we moved in, the police came knocking, looking for the previous tenants who, as it turned out, had been growing weed hydroponically in our unit thus explaining the mouldy carpets and surplus of powerpoints. We were stalked and ambushed on multiple occasions by the well-known Bowen Terrace flasher and also operating in our suburb at the time was a serial rapist who scaled drain pipes to climb into unlocked upper-storey apartment windows and attack young females like ourselves. You know, looking back, our parents must have been thrilled. Like most students, we were dirt poor and hardly had a stick of furniture between us beyond what we'd brought with us from our childhood bedrooms. We had to beg, borrow and steal the basics and couldn't afford to be fussy. One of the more substantial items we needed to source was a couch. My flatmate had a friend whose parents ran a long-term storage business and if a client failed to pay their bills and abandoned their container, then all of the contents became property of the owners. They had this one container which had been rented out for many years. However, the client had eventually ceased to pay, so they cracked it open and found it full of old crappy furniture from the 70s. It wasn't worth selling, and they were planning to dispose of it, so their son arranged for us to have the world's ugliest dark brown velvet couch. We accepted it gratefully. Even now, 25 years later, I shudder whenever I visualise the couch, crouching in the corner of our living room, hideous and malevolent. Our first run-in happened soon after it arrived. I was home alone on the couch one afternoon, recovering from a late night out, when I fell into a deep sleep. I awoke to the terrifying sensation of a heavy body pinning me down and throttling me. The presence was furious and male, and my mind immediately went to the drainpipe rapist, although this clearly wasn't a flesh-and-blood man. He was like a very dark, angry mass with a hazy outline. Although I couldn't see him clearly, I somehow knew he was about 40, with straggly blonde hair. I was utterly panicked. It took all of my strength to fight him off, and I ended up falling to the floor with the effort. My heart was thumping, and I was sweating profusely, but the instant I broke contact with the couch, I knew that I was safe and completely alone. I had never heard of sleep paralysis at the time, and had never experienced it before. But in any case, I'm not sure this qualifies, given that I was struggling hard throughout the experience. At the time, I tried to rationalise it as a very bad nightmare, but it was just so real that a big part of me remained unconvinced. I was so traumatised that I gave the couch a wide berth after that. 
I got hold of an old beanbag and used that instead. However, the evil couch wasn't quite done with me yet. About a month after this, I was asleep in my own bed when I had a terrifying dream. The door to my room swung open and to my horror in stalked death. He was just as you would imagine, as tall as the ceiling, a hooded skeleton holding a scythe and shrouded in a long, dusty black cloak. He advanced towards the foot of my bed and I was utterly paralysed with horror. He stood between me and the door, so when I suddenly regained the power of movement, I clambered desperately to the end of my bed in an attempt to escape past him out of the room. I vividly remember glancing down and seeing skeletal toe bones emerging from under his shroud. Before I could launch myself for the door, he suddenly grabbed hold of my long hair. Yanking my head back violently, he swung his blade down deeply across my throat. The sensation of searing pain and blood glugging out of my neck was horrific. If I was even partially awake at this stage of my nightmare, I must have passed out within sleep at the terror of this moment. I awoke groggy and frightened in the morning with a still throbbing neck. And this is where it gets really weird. I went into the bathroom to take a shower, looked in the mirror, and with shock I realised that there were several bloody gashes across my throat. I called out to my flatmate and she came running. She hadn't seen or heard anything unusual during the night, and we were both scared and completely mystified. Then we noticed the state of our coffee table, which was positioned directly in front of the couch. The day before, there had been a big arrangement of dried flowers in a vase on it. But now the vase was smashed and the flowers were strewn and broken all over the place. That's when I realised that I must have sleepwalked to the couch and plunged forward into the vase of dried branches to produce the cuts on my throat. After I'd taken such pains to avoid it in my conscious life, the evil couch had somehow called me there in my sleep and inflicted this painful injury upon me without even waking me up. That was enough. My friend and I looked at each other and in silent consensus we lifted up the couch, trooped it down three sets of stairs and left it on the street by the wheelie bins. We agreed that we would rather have no couch at all than to find out what it had in store for me next. When I left for work half an hour later the couch was gone. And while I was relieved not to have to see it again, I did spare a thought for the helpless new owners. By the way, if you're wondering if the depraved drape-pipe rapist was ever brought to justice, then I'm pleased to report that he was. After terrorising the neighbourhood for months, when she heard him climbing into her bathroom window, she came at him with a brick and he fell several stories to meet with death on the footpath. I really hope he brought his scythe. I thought there was going to be some kind of poetic justice there where he like tripped on the couch and fell out the window. Like actually the the evil couch ended up saving the day. Imagine. I have to say, of all things that we've talked about on this podcast, (laughs) the words evil couch were not what I expected to encounter. Again, this is, my Simpsons knowledge is terrible, but this is the reference point I'm making. Does the couch eat someone in one of the tree houses of horror? Oh, I don't remember. I feel like this is like I'm imagining, you know, like those 
old school like lip couches where yeah and then actually it's eating these people that's just what i'm thinking but it's just because you're not a big you don't believe in haunted objects do you not really whereas i do so you did the right thing leaving that couch out but it's definitely got hollywood film franchise on it because someone's literally what she said was i don't think they're going to make a hollywood film about a haunted couch and i was like surprised listen you'd be surprised I have to say, I'm glad. I, I also am very glad that you clarified what happened to that horrific man. Mm. You know, because I, I at the beginning of the story, I was like, Jesus Christ. No, like, yeah, your parents would be upset that you lived there. But then I lived in some pretty horrific places in my time. So I wonder what happened on that couch. I don't know if I even want to know. I mean, a brown velvet couch. I know it was the 80s. Maybe it was a, maybe it belonged to a lazy Satanist. Couldn't be bothered to stand up during their incantations. Yeah, they were just like... I mean, it was satanic panic, <laughs> brown velvet from the... Was it 70s, rather? Yeah. And the decor in the 70s yeah. was absolutely outrageous. That's How, what I'm going for. I'm going for a lazy Satanist. Lazy Satanist yeah. sounds like... It's another album Terrible album. branding of a sofa company. It does, actually, doesn't it? Yeah, what do they call those those chairs? Lazy boys, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, you can, you can get yourself a lazy Satanist. Yep, cursed, cursed couches. I don't really want to ever meet death, by the way, with his scythe and his um, cloak and all that jazz. No way. Yeah, it's creepy, isn't it? I have been doing weird stuff in my dreams, though, lately, so... I don't know. Maybe I am meeting death in my dreams, because I've been having some pretty horrific nightmares. If Emma's podcasting her own next week... Yeah, that's because Dan has left in the middle of the night. Or, or she killed me. I will tell you one thing that I did in my sleep because I don't want to bore everybody. But I woke up the other night to go to the toilet and I got out of bed and in my sleep. So in my head, <laughs> oh, what happened <laughs> was completely different to what Dan actually saw. So what Dan saw was me getting out of bed, standing, staring at the floor in the middle of the bedroom in the dark for ages. And then I said... Why didn't you tell me about this? Yeah, I was really annoyed. I said, why didn't you tell me about this? Because what I saw... (laughs) So there had been a towel on the back of the door that had fallen off. And it was like bunched up in a corner. And I got out of bed and I saw Tiny Bim in the corner of the room asleep. But it was obviously a towel. But in my head it was Tiny Bim. And I stood staring at it for ages because I was trying to figure out whether it was actually her or not. And I just was so annoyed so, that she was upstairs in the room and you hadn't brought her into bed. Ordinarily, if this had happened in the night and I'd have been asleep, I would have woken up and panicked with Emma. But I was actually, I'd only just come up to bed. So I was wide awake watching something on my phone. And I was just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I was so annoyed. And then I got really upset. I remember being yeah, really upset you when you were like, what are you talking about? And I kind of woke up a bit and realised it was a towel. And I was like, I thought it was Bim. And there's no way that Bim would sleep in our room on the floor. No, she wouldn't. Not in a million years. <laughs> our second story comes from, I don't know if it's Tori or Tori, but it's spelled Tori. So if I've gotten your name wrong, I apologise. How is it spelled? T-O-R-R-I-E. That's Tori. I thought Tori was T-O-R-I-E. Do you not remember Tori Wilson from WWE? No. She's spelled an M like that. Okay, so Tori. I live on a ranch smack in between the Navajo Reservation and the Apache Reservation and the Zuni Reservation. Holbrook, Arizona is about 40 minutes west from my house. Oddly enough, the place considered heaven by the Zuni tribe is basically my backyard. Despite everyone thinking all of Arizona is desert, it's not, and our area is more of a high desert. 
I promise it's very different from actual desert landscape. Transitioning into a forest type area. I mean we get snow. And it's really cold here in most winters. All of these tribes have the lore of skinwalkers. And you could basically stop any person on the street around here and they've got a skinwalker story. Many of them make you feel like your heart is going to drop out of your ass and it's all taken pretty seriously. I mean we all, this including the natives I work and mingle with, joke about them and hear a noise and say, oh, must be that damn skinwalker again. But we only joke because we're all really just scared shitless. I've personally experienced multiple incidences where I've later realised that in the moment my deductive thinking being crippled by fear that what I experienced was in fact a skinwalker. I've had a stare down with the same large mangy and lone coyote multiple times. It's followed me on my horse while moving cows. The cows and my horse every time have become more on edge than normal. And they live outside with things like this every night. Eventually, I I don't like how fast the cows are running. And I yelled at the coyote to leave. And I fire a shot off just to make it go away. It's really odd because coyotes are pack animals. And seeing a lone one is rare unless it has mange. We don't have mange in our area at all making this coyote that I see even more odd. All three times it has happened, the cowboys in the bunkhouses across the driveway from my house hear knocking or tapping on the windows and doors that same night. I'll add that they have all had their own experiences, ranging from something running alongside their four-wheeler at night when coming back from fixing a fence, to one Navajo man hinting that he caught one on his game camera. He didn't want to speak much of it, given it's extremely dangerous to talk about them. It's believed that talking about them makes them seek you out. On nights when my husband is at the main ranch, 200 miles away, and I'm alone with our son, the coyotes are always out howling in full force. By the sound, you can hear them come closer and closer to the house, until they're at the bunkhouse right across the driveway. I'll then yell and pop a couple of shots off to get them to leave. And sometimes it takes a few times to get them to leave. From my experience having lived and grown up in many extremely rural places where coyotes are part of normal life, the majority of the time when a coyote comes that close to you, you can see the reflections of their eyes. I've lived here three years and have yet to see one reflection or hear their claws on the gravel outside. Those nights I'll hear taps on the windows, and that just fucking thrills me. Sleep is never a reality on those nights. My last experience was the scariest. I was driving home late one night from a friend's house, and got about a quarter of a mile from the turn from my driveway. I was in the process of lowering my speed because the turn is on a curb, and it's still hard to spot. All of a sudden, I look up from turning my cruise control off and there's a coyote in the road. I slow down and stop, but it doesn't even move. 
And guess who it was? That same big coyote that has followed me multiple times. I stare it down and again I don't see any reflection from its eyes. They were black with zero dimension to them. Not like you would see in a normal coyote. I felt petrified and almost in a trance. I felt like I sat there staring forever. But in all, truly, it was all over in a matter of seconds. Then it let out this horrible howl that sounded more like the scream of a woman, but more guttural, almost like the call of a crow. I don't really know how to explain it. It was almost as if it didn't even come from the coyote's body, but from something closer to me. Instantly, I snapped out of it, and I felt like if I didn't stand my ground, it would follow me and my son, sleeping soundly in the back seat this whole time. It being pitch black, like in all really rural areas. I wasn't too keen on that happening. So I floored it. I ran over it with my pickup truck, only to look in the rearview mirror and watch it get back Mm. up. My front and back wheel hit that coyote and it got back up and ran off. Needless to say, I sped home and sprinted my son into the house and locked all the doors. I had a panic attack almost instantly after I laid my son down in his crib and shut his door. I sat against his door the whole night that night. I've yet to see that coyote again, given we built some better facilities closer to our house. That makes it so we aren't riding and moving cows out on horseback all the time. I also have mom duties that keep me in the house now. My husband and a few of the cowboys have seen it, that same coyote. And have told me that they also think there's something just not right about it. One cowboy, the Navajo guy that won't talk about his game camera picture, told me not to think about it. He said don't let it enter my mind. Because it is what you think it is. Also, both my house and the bunkhouse get tapping on the window still. No, 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 no. I know the Navajo cowboy means well. (laughs) But how do you not think about it when they just say that to you? It is what you think it is. Don't think about it. I'd be like, oh my God. I would never be able to not think about it. It would be on my mind all of the time. I was spooked from the start and then said about all the howling and sounded like there was a pack of them around the house, but not seeing any eye shine, which is just... Mad. Like, crazy mad. Yeah. Like, I don't know any animal that doesn't have eye shine that I know of. I mean, there probably is, but I don't. But that's that's crazy. And then that story when it's in the road and Tori runs over it and then it gets back up and runs off. Like, I, I don't condone any violence towards animals, right? Because that's, I just I just don't. But when you're in a rural area, like that rural, and coyotes are pretty dangerous in rural areas too because they're 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 pack animals like they're hunters and they will they'll fucking eat shit if they can like i would feel really threatened and i would be really frightened and especially if this is this thing you think the navajo people around you are saying oh yeah that's that's what you think it is i would be shitting myself 
I'd be flooring it as well. You you wouldn't be able to handle it though, because the coyotes are well known for killing and eating domestic cats. Are they? Yeah. Are they really? Yeah, it's easy prey, isn't it? Oh no. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess it makes sense, but oh no, that makes me really sad. Yeah. Well, you know, doesn't doesn't mean I'd grow out slaughtering them all. No, and, know, and to be for fair, that reason. to be fair, what are the chances of being being outside? Yeah. Never mind if Coyote suddenly overran Canterbury, she'd still be fun. Yeah. So. Tori, that was... Um, Horrific. Yeah. She also added a PS to the story, which I just want to read for you because I think it's really funny. Oh, okay. I really had to laugh at your Travis Walton episode. Snowflake, Arizona is 30 minutes from where I live and that man is off his rocker. Even the old men in town say that he was off kilter before he was apparently abducted. He has and had a reputation of making a spectacle of himself before and after the incident. Uh, Which is really interesting, yeah, is right? Interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. I feel a little bit ugh, after after that because I hate well, skinwalkers. Yeah, it really scares me. Neither of us are fans of that, are we? And all the tapping on the windows because that's yeah. part of it, right? Yeah. The other skinwalker stories we read, we had stories about people like with stuff running on the roof and tapping on the windows and howls and shrieks. And I I'm just picturing myself in the car on my own in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the night, with my baby in the back seat and this coyote, this giant coyote scree like whatever that noise was. Oh, it's so awful. If you enjoyed this week's episode, <laughs> you can find everything that you need to know about us on reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. You can find our social medias, the email address where you can send your own stories to, and the link to our Patreon, where for $5 a month, you get access to over 70 extra little bonus episodes. And for $2 a month, you get access to the complete back catalogue of 50p Movie Club. And on that note... We shall see you next week. Bye.